0: Welcome back to the Clemson podcast. The Tigers just stopped scoring. Clemson is 5-0 and and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Clemson podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined tonight by Ben. Ben, what a game. If you could call it a game, um,
1: there didn't seem to be much competition out there. Only one side was competitive, and that was Clemson. And I mean, I got to be honest. I think after we look back after a few weeks and Georgia Tech gets to play some more games, we'll realize how much of a beatdown this was because they're not a terrible team. Georgia Tech has been scoring this year. Um, And so for us to go into Atlanta and do what we did there, a place that has not been very kind to us in the past, um, that was just a phenomenal win. Um, And it's one of those that... You know, sometimes you beat a team like Virginia, whatever we did, 42 to 17, and it's a nice little blowout. thing. think Wake us at the beginning of the year and those types of games can get kind of boring when you have it in hand um, by halftime. And then you kind of mess around in the second half and you don't score that much. But this one, man. I had a great time on the rewatch watching. I watched the entire game. Usually all these blowouts. I don't watch. I watch maybe a little bit into the third quarter, but I don't watch the whole thing. I had a fun time watching the backups in this game. Like it was truly amazing. And hell, Will Spires got in there at quarterback. Um, So kudos to that kid. And and he looked good. (laughs) Like, I mean, he was a former quarterback um, and probably could have been quarterback at some D2 school or D3 school or something like that. But Good Lord. Um, yeah. What a game that was. And, uh, this team is clicking.
0: Yeah, it's clicking at the top. It's clicking among the starters, both sides of the ball and, you know, further evidence in this one that we pretty much have the best player in the country right now in Trevor Lawrence. Um, a little bit of a quiet day from Travis Etienne in this game. I think again, the mission of the defense was to slow him down, but overall, um, you know, some real highlight, real Heisman moment type plays for Trevor Lawrence and um, playmakers across the field, across the team. Uh, Great to your point to also see, even in the first half, but definitely throughout the second half, um, some guys, some underclassmen, some, you know, true freshmen getting their due, um, you know, getting the ball, getting some snaps. I think, you know, we've got a a very solid now third stringer um, in Helms, a quarterback, You know, that was really, really great to see as well. Yeah. Um, Depending on what shakes out with the next couple of weeks with our backup situation. So um, anyway, like, you know, yeah, Clemson is certainly clicking. And, you know, maybe to to draw a fine point on this, Ben, uh, Clemson was number one coming in. I think last week Clemson had 59 out of a possible, what, 61 votes um, overall for AP number one. So nearly unanimous after the Miami game. Um, and then come into this one, Alabama goes uh, goes and beats Georgia handily, uh, the number three team in the country, two SEC foes, and Clemson only gives up five votes uh, for first place. And that tells you what kind of win it was, how decisive that was, you know, turned lots of people's heads throughout the weekend. But I think that's also a little bit of a testament to where the program is right now and the respect for, you know, the the playmakers on this team and the coaching staff and just to state to the program. So, um, anyway, I was a little surprised more votes didn't flip Bama's direction, even with this Clemson win. See,
1: I'm not because we finally did what everybody wanted us to do. And that was go in and just completely annihilate a decent opponent. Um, and we did that and we probably could have scored more. I mean, that was, that's what the third and fourth string guys in there. Um, and so we finally did that. Yeah. Bama beat Georgia, but is anybody really impressed by Georgia? Like the, they were supposed to be able to hang their hat on their defense, which did not show out in this game. They're struggling on offense right now, as they have under Kirby smart. Um, and then they only dropped to number four in the polls from number three. Like that makes no sense. So, um, yeah. It's I am a little surprised that we dropped five first place votes. I mean, what more can Clemson do? But at the same time, Cody mentioned it a few weeks ago. We talked about it. Like it doesn't matter at this point. You know, we could have a less than stellar showing against Boston College or Syracuse coming up. Um, you know, maybe just beat them by 21, 28 points. And people are going to drop us again. So that's really should not be our focus right now. We just need to focus on what we're seeing on the field and what we saw on the field this past Saturday, though there were some mistakes. uh, It was a beautiful thing to watch. I mean, again, 73 to to, to seven, that's not an easy thing to do against uh, ACC opponents. It's Georgia Tech's second worst loss since like 1903 when they lost to Clemson 73 to nothing. So um, that shows you how rare a win like that is against again, like, um, Uh, Collins has that team going in the right direction. There certainly has some, have some rebuilding to do after um, kind of the trauma of the Paul Johnson era, but they got Sims, at quarterback. He's a talented guy. Um, They've got Gibbs at running back, another talented guy. I think they're both four stars. Uh, Sure. They're freshmen. They're going to get better. And this team is going to get better. And Jeff Collins is, he's he's got these guys going in the right direction. Um, They're not world beaters yet, but, you know, they've been scoring this year. So just, just to see what this Clemson team did to them. And specifically, I think the very encouraging thing is to see all that scoring in the second half from the backups, which we have not necessarily seen leading up to this point.
0: Yeah, Ben completely agree. And I want to touch on something you said. Clemson did what everyone's wanted them to do, including the fans, like lay it on, beat down a good opponent in this case, Georgia tech, in this case on the road, that was fantastic. I don't necessarily know though, that this was like the most, you know, hit him over the head with everything in the playbook kind of game from Tony Elliott and the coaching staff. I think this was just a matter of as the game plan played itself out and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, Georgia tech's approach to their offense. Um, what would allowed you know, the rest of the game that have happened. Um, this was just a better team like firing on all cylinders and it's players you know, executing and, you know, translating that into points on the scoreboard. But great to see, I mean, you know, shut us fans up, the complainers, the whiners about um, really, you know, wanting more out of a a showing during the regular season. Yeah, and listen, I think at this point, obviously given the
1: benefit of the doubt, but look at this Clemson team right now and where they are this early in the season compared to where they've been in past years. Um, The games haven't even been close. So far this year, we scored over 37 points, uh, in every single game over 40 in all, but one, um, and outside of the 23 points given up to, to UVA, the defense has been absolutely solid and it's scary, man. Our ability to blow people out was still making mistakes. I mean, there were, there were mistakes in this game. Uh, Frank Latson with the drops, there was missed tackles. You had the interception by Trevor, the fumble by Travis, um, is. Blown coverages, blown coverage by uh, Mario Goodrich for their only touchdown. Yeah. So and so, all those things combined, and we still wax the floor with them on the road. Uh, I will say in this: one thing that stood out in this game that's been different than the last few is there was only two penalties. So it was good to see that progression and the discipline yeah. uh, from the team because we can't keep or we should not keep accepting the seven, eight penalties a game. It does want to be down closer in kind of that five range, and of course in this game we got two. Um, which was good to see. So, um, yeah, ultimately I think the big story out of this game, aside from the fact that we're just looking fantastic as a first, um, first kind of first team, I guess with Clemson, you have to call it like, uh, the first team and the first and a half team, right? Because we don't necessarily just send the second string out at a time. We rotate those guys in with the first team guys. So just to see that group of players, uh, play so well, who are going to be the ones that, um, Uh, you know, have the lion's share of the minutes when we play league competition for them to play that well. And then for the backups to come in and we talked about it last week about how these guys don't stop developing when practice stops and the season starts. Like you've seen that maturation over the course of the season and yes, or Saturday was a prime example of that. Um, You know, you had backup offensive linemen coming in early Um, obviously been subbing in and out across the defense and, um, for the defense to give up no points after I think what was it Georgia Tech's first drive uh, they scored seven maybe um, and then for the offense to continue Literally. to score in the in the second half um, yeah I mean it was a beautiful Saturday I mean it was uh, glad they made it worth my my time for having to get up and get down to the bar at nine in the morning to watch the game.
0: <laughs> it definitely did well Ben let's uh let's first talk about the offensive side let's drill in a little bit here. So in starting with the offense, I actually want to talk about like why we think Clemson was able to put up 52 points in the first half. And yes, dominant players. Yes, like more talented players than Georgia Tech has matching up on the other side. But I actually feel like what Tech was running on the offensive end, trying to run tempo against the superior Clemson team was flawed from the start and ultimately led to, you know, they weren't going to be successful with that. That's going to lead to short drives, short series then you got their pretty thin defensive core to begin with from a talent and experience standpoint facing this juggernaut offense, you know, back on their heels. And I think that's what really allowed Clemson to go down and pretty much score touchdowns, you know, at will, three, four plays into a given series. Um, Then you give the ball back to their offense, not going very well, balls back in Trevor's hands, here we go. Um, So yes, Clemson definitely executed and took advantage of the opportunities. But I think if you're a Georgia Tech, at this state of their program, there's kind of two approaches you want to take to a game like this. Number one, like you're, you're going to get the eyeballs. It's the number one Clemson Tigers coming in. You know, you're going to have recruits watching. What do you want to do? You want to, you want to show that on some level of this game, like you can compete with this team. And that starts by not getting blown out 73 to seven, I think. And, um, really number two, like, how do you do that? You, you want to shorten the game and you, we've already talked a little bit about some of the turnovers that happened. Uh, some of the, you know, the lack of focus or misplays from Clemson, there weren't penalties, but you know, there were enough plays in this game that if, if tech is really causing Clemson to have, like, I don't even know how many series we ran in the first half. Um, I can take a look here for a second, but, um, you know, it was, it was quite a few, you know, like 15 series or something in the first half. Um, Oh well, we yeah, if that's scoring, more like yeah, we had eight scoring drives. So yeah, plus like you know fumble and interceptions. So that's ten. Yeah, no punts. Okay, you know ten series. Um, if that's more like five series then or four series, you know just because. And again, this is the Paul Johnson offense. Like keep away, you know, run run clock, run the ball, play keep away, that kind of thing. But and they're trying to change their identity, and move away from that. But you know, if you kind of shorten that half then it's probably a lot closer at halftime just by virtue of us not getting the ball 10 times.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, that is an interesting way to think about it. You know, we, we talk a lot about how teams, uh, when you're the number one team in the country or top five team, top 10 team or something like that, um, within your conference, at least you've always got that target on your back and, and teams are coming in, uh, ready to play their best game and punch you in the mouth. And, um, you know, maybe in this case, Georgia tech was, was thought they were ready to do that, but it, I mean, it, it, it mostly swung and missed and face planted onto the sidewalk. Um, it appears. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, and going back to your point about limiting our possessions on offense, I think that's a really good point. And teams should really try to figure out how to scheme to do that. And that really starts on their offensive side of the ball. Like you're not going to get a ton of takeaways from this Clemson offense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you do need to control the ball somewhat, and we've we you hear all the time about when offenses do their defenses a de- disservice when they have three out in the off field quickly so yeah if if you're keep throwing your defense back out against this juggernaut Clemson offense, you're not gonna stand a chance like they're going to be gassed. Clemson got off to somewhat of a slow start on offense, obviously, there was the turnovers, but man, once it started going, they didn't look back and you know, we talked about, you talked about uh, Tony Elliott's play calling and we talked about last game, the Miami game, how much more creative it was all the little wrinkles and everything we saw and what a sight for sore eyes that was. I think you saw a continuation of that in this game. Yeah. Um, it wasn't all the, the bells and whistles and tricks in the book, but they stuck with a lot of it. It was a much more dynamic play calling. Once again, um, there were, you know, passes over the field, uh, the middle of the field. You saw the shuffle passes. We finally saw the goal line package. Um, so really encouraged, but can you continue to see his creativity? And I think a lot of that is, um, uh, kind of in response to the fact that there are so many different types of weapons on this offense this year, as opposed to years past where, you know, you got your slot receiver and Hunter Renfro, and then you've got your two big guys on the outside and you're throwing it either, uh, them down, uh, down the field or you're throwing the Hunter Renfro to convert on third and whatever. Um, but with this offense, um, we're missing a little bit. Our, our big guy, deep threat, you know, Frank Latson is, is, is meant to be that guy right now as Joseph and slowly works his way back in. But, you know, you're seeing Travis Etienne run some deep roots. Amari Rogers running some deep roots, um, Cornell Powell. And, and so those guys are also running crossing routes, right? Coming over the middle of the field. Um, obviously the passing game to ETN has, um, been uh, more of a focal point the last two years. And then you throw the tight ends there and, and Braden Galloway and Davis Allen. I mean, you take one of those away, you still got the other, and both can run block. Um, so I think all the different weapons that Tony Elliott has at his disposal, um, he has really utilized them well the past two games. And it's been reflected in the creativity of the play calling. Um, I mean, you look at all these touchdowns that, that we scored in this game. They came in so many different ways and so many different exciting ways. And there could have been more. I mean, you can talk about the Frank Lanson drops, um, at least that one, which would have been his second drop um touchdown, potential touchdown pass of the year. And he's only gonna get better. And good to see him bounce back and actually make big catches, make a touchdown catch. But um, yeah, it's quite amazing. And obviously, your job is made a lot easier when you have a guy like Etienne in the backfield and then Trevor Lawrence, who is just on top of his game right now, the throws he's making and the throws he's able to make that a lot of other quarterbacks in the league uh, or in college football, or even the NFL are able to make. Uh, it's hard to defend that. I don't know how you begin to defend that. It's too many weapons.
0: Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Ben. Um I saw, I want to give a shout out CFB film room on Twitter uh, posted Trevor Lawrence. You know, they talk about his um, elite accuracy and uh, deep, And since 2000, or, you know, as a percentile of all quarterbacks since 2016, um, in terms of passes, 20 yards downfield, Trevor's in like the 75th percentile um, of on target rate by distance downfield. So percentage of his passes that are, um, that are on target downfield, 75% of those are on target. That puts him in like the 99th percentile. Um, For middle range, 10 to 19 yards downfield, he's 86% accurate there. And that is also in the upper nineties. Interestingly, zero to nine yards downfield, Trevor's at 80% accuracy, um, which is much lower than most quarterbacks. You know, it's in like the 38th percentile, something like that. Um, So, you know, maybe if you want to nitpick a little bit, um, only connecting on 80% of his, or, you know, getting it in on target, 80% of his zero to nine yards. But how much of that is, you know, just, a lot of kind of turmoil around the line of scrimmage, that kind of thing. Um, Maybe some issues with in his first year or two, um, not having tight end pass catchers that were that capable. You know, I'll give him a pass on those, but you know, being in kind of the really over the last four seasons or five seasons, even four and a half um, really in like the, the top three to five quarterbacks, 20 yards downfield and in the midfield range. um, Pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. And for those shorter passes, I do wonder, do drops count into that?
0: This is on-target rate, so yeah, okay. drops would not count. It's just like, was he did he hit the spot he was aiming for for the pass
1: catcher? So probably. one thing that I can think of that would have happened the past three years that you or two years that you you've seen an improvement on this year is in the screen game. You know, the last couple of years he hasn't been especially great at that. There's been some high throws, there's been some low throws, there's been some throws late. Uh,
0: yeah, even back in the Natty to, against Bama. Yeah, and I remember there's a a pass that was like a sure touchdown that he, that he underthrew. But yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I mean, guy, balls at guys feet over their head or they're just not getting there quick enough and the defenders are able to get up field um, and, then and, it's def- like and defend he, it. He does better with the harder throws, right? There's well, what you've seen passes. this year and what's changed this year and why the quick screen game is, is working better. And some of his quick passes are getting out of his hands really quick. He changed, he's changed his stance um, to where he, in the shotgun he's got his right foot back so he's able to to receive the ball um on the snap and just immediately be in a throwing motion and I noticed that um specifically in this game there were several throws that he just got out amazingly quick and it's funny I was watching the um uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game over the weekend, they were talking about Tom Brady, how he's changed his stance and the and the shotgun, um, essentially the opposite of what Trevor did. Um, he used to have his foot back, and now he's doing a more squared up stance um, for whatever reason. Um, the announcers alluded to the fact that the guy snapping the ball is snapping a little high and he has a little bit more control. But um, I mean, we've had some high snaps too. Um, and I'm not saying whatever Brady's doing equates to whatever Lawrence is doing, but it's just interesting to see that um and and notice these things that it's actually working like th- that seems to be the difference i mean again look to the past the screen game uh you know to the outside little bubble screens they weren't getting off quick enough they are this year and i think it has it's a direct result of that change
0: uh, um you know to his stance and that you just think about like a defensive coordinator nightmare you know he he's had that accuracy downfield. Now you add middle of the field threats, you know, in the intermediate depth of passing. Um, we're not you know, just yet. We haven't sorted out kind of the outside boundary and field receiver game as much, uh, but you do introduce that middle of the field. And if he's that much more accurate, swinging it out to Travis CTN, or, you know, if that's where the route dictates for Amari Rogers, how do you like, how do you scheme against this offense? Um, well, I don't think you don't, I guess you don't like, that's what yeah. we've seen this year is,
1: you know, when they're on, they're they're tough to beat, and I'm not sure I've seen a defense play thus far. We'll see what the Big Ten has in store this weekend, but I haven't seen a defense thus far um, who I think is, can stop this offense. Um, it will be interesting to see if you go up a seem like uh, Alabama, who just has a, a stacked defensive line. Um, I'm sure Ohio State is going to come packing some heat as far as that gets concerned, too. Um, I can certainly see them giving our offensive line some trouble. The offensive line has been really good at pass protection this year, uh, less yeah. so in kind of uh, opening some holes and creating some space up the middle for Travis Etienne to run because we still haven't seen that develop. He got bottled up several times in this game running up the middle. And Jay Dixon had a little bit more success uh, when it comes to that. So, you know, I think as far as the offensive line is concerned and one way to scheme and, and maybe the only way to scheme is you just have to have talent that somewhere is as close as good to Clemson On your defensive
0: side of the ball, because if you don't, we're just going to, we're just going to smash it. Yeah. One thing I was going to mention, um, I'd be interested to see, like knowing, knowing that maybe run blocking is not necessarily the strongest suit of this defense. It does seem like teams have game plan to kind of scheme out Travis CTN from the a gap, B gap and kind of between the tackles running. I'd be curious if a defense tries to take the position of, and look like good luck taking trevor lawrence out of the game but you know a team that maybe does have uh not like the ability to um defend the run without stacking the box you know and really do they focus on dropping guys back into coverage making life tough for tl downfield and really challenging trevor or uh, trap ccn to be you in the running game like i'd be curious to see you know does anyone choose to take that poison uh, yeah, against I, this Clemson offense.
1: I almost think at this point, I don't think sacking the box is going to do you any good. Like, we're going to find ways to get ET into the outside or get involved in the passing game. And there's so many weapons elsewhere on the field that um, I said at the beginning of the year, we talked about what type of defense we think could stop this offense. And I, I think you got to have somebody who can just, again, you can stop the run with four down linemen. And, you know, in your linebackers and on passing downs, you can get pressure on, on Trevor Lawrence. And that just has not come to fruition this year. I mean, there has been success in stopping the run up the middle, but you can say that's your game plan is to take ETNs, you know, run game up the middle out of it. Okay, great. Has that worked so far?
0: No, they did it in this game. We still put up 73 points. Yeah. Uh, Looking ahead, Ben, I mean, teams that have been able to sort of get after the quarterback, that's kind of another wrinkle to slowing this Clemson team down. Um, I think Pitt's defense is going to be one to keep an eye on just throughout the season. Um, but yeah, other than that, like not too worried about Virginia Tech's defense. Um, they may have an offense by the time we end up playing them that, that's going to be formidable. And that'll be an interesting game on the road for this team. But um, I'm really thinking like Pittsburgh is going to be and Notre Dame. You know, those are two defenses that, will be good test for Clemson. I'm not suggesting they're going to slow this team down or necessarily hold us below that 37-point lowest scoring output of the season. Um, but it will be something you know that will, will be good to see this team get reps against.
1: Yeah. I think if anything, though, I mean, it's still not going to be a real test. We're going to be disappointed if we don't put up over 30 against Notre Dame. Um, they're not that good. Um, they just aren't. Their defense is not that good. It's a good defense, but the caliber of this offense is just so great that it's going to take a really special team with a really good defense to be able to stop this offense. Um, I mean, That's my personal opinion. I think we're better on offense this year than we were last year. Um, I think that's becoming obvious. Obviously, Trevor did not get off to the slow start this year. The offense has been more clicking on all cylinders, and the play calling um, has just been much more varied and successful. Um, and we're building, we're starting to build some depth and this is without guys like again, and God on the field. Um, he's getting in there with some playing time. I'm not sure why he's not playing more if he's healthy and if he's not healthy, fully healthy to play more Why he's playing at all. Um, but I do look forward to him getting back in there. Um, Latson with his drops is still an issue. I think that young man will settle down. Um, he's made some good catches this year. He came back in the second half. had some had some good catches, um, but you know
0: you're starting to see the, the coaching. I was glad the coaching staff left him out there. You know, yeah, with yeah. the backup quarterbacks, and um, clearly he needs. Yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. he needs some time with the Jugs machine. But um, get him yeah. time. Get him in. Get him into the flow, and you know, nothing like pure real game competition.
1: Yeah, and I think you do that with young guys. If he was Cornell Powell dropping the ball. Like, yeah, you yank him and put somebody else in um, just to kind of send a message. Hey, man, you need to focus. You're, you're, you know, you've been here for five years. You're more experienced. You're better than that. You should, this shouldn't be happening. But he's getting his first significant playing time this year and probably honestly thought um, was a little bit behind, was behind Ngata on the death chart heading into the season, coming out of fall camp. So he's starting, he's stepping into that role. He's making some plays. Obviously, you need to clean the drops up. But that stuff um, you can improve upon and you can fix. Right. Uh, that's fundamentals. That's not talent. He's got all the talent in the world. We, you can see it out on the field. Um, he's getting past people. He's getting wide open. Um, he's going to improve in that area. Um, another guy that's come along is EJ Williams. Um, he was in on the second play of the game in this one, and he's starting to look really good. It's coming along for that true freshman. I still feel that he needs to put some more weight on um, to ultimately get to where he wants to be. But he's going to be a weapon this year. Um, and you're already starting to see that emerge. So the, the faster that we can bring these guys along, obviously, the better. It certainly helps that there's no redshirt rule this year. So you don't have to even think about holding these guys uh, uh, out for uh, um, or
0: not have them play more than four games. Yeah. You're not thinking about, all right, you know, is this fifth game of the season, you know, the right time to be getting him reps? Like just send him out there, let him go. Um, yeah. Because how much of a shame would it be? You're up um
1: Fifty whatever we were to seven at halftime and there's a handful of guys you can't play because of the red redshirt rule right this is when <laughs> this is their opportunity this is the best time to put them in there so it's it's kind of good that that's been lifted um for this season ultimately in hindsight do i think it was necessary probably not um maybe yeah. for like the pac-12 who's going to get like seven games in maybe um but who cares that's that's what the rule is and uh, it's certainly working out at clemson's favor
0: yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I think it, it was also given there for, like, guys that opt out for the season. Like, what do you do with them? Does, do, you, do you burn a year of eligibility? That maybe sends the wrong message, you know, if they're doing this for their own health and safety or that, or their families. So, I mean, um, I applaud the NCAA for making that effort. Now, what we don't know is, um, like, what is that going to do to, like, numbers going forward? I don't know that that's necessarily been talked about or discussed um it has i'm sure they've talked about a high level but i mean
1: i guess as far as i'm concerned that's tomorrow's problem to deal with um yeah there's gonna be an issue it's gonna be it's gonna be an issue more so for other teams than it is for for clemson who brings oh yeah high, high sure. caliber recruits year right. in and year out but it's not like they're gonna expand the rosters are already huge um but i mean i mean they could expand clemson's roster we played everybody but dj in this game
0: yeah well why don't we spend Cle- some time Cle- before the- we move over to Cle- the punter <laughs> yeah well i was gonna say ben like i mean we've covered off on most primary weapons why don't we spend some time talking about the backup situation so yep. dj you and Anglele, we were a little concerned you know they went straight to pumachan um on the second series of the third quarter and it turned out uh, i think dj had some shoulder tightness. Uh, some soreness, didn't want it. And that was probably incurred during the Miami game or potentially practice. Uh, I
1: think good idea.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he got popped a couple times in that game. Um, good idea not to run him out there and necessarily put strain on that. We may need him down the stretch. So uh, get Puma some reps and in comes Hunter Helms, you know, fourth stringer. Uh, great to see him run two series or more than two series, I thought, Ben. Didn't he get two touchdowns? He came
1: he came in um, at the beginning of the th- uh, third or fourth quarter in the middle of a drive that Tyson started. And then, right. yeah, I think he had two more series after that. So maybe he had two and a half series um, and led down for two scores. I'm thinking, and then two out of three scored two out of three times. And then, uh, yeah, Spires, uh, came in, uh,
0: to finish off the game. Yeah. And, um, Great for Will Spires to kind of flash some of that talent. You know, he did not come to Clemson to play quarterback. He could have played quarterback in college, but he he went with the national championship winning program to be the punter. That probably sets him up for a pro career if he wanted to. Uh, so good for him. And congrats to him on having a great showing. Well, um, and Dabo put him out there when um he was actually going to let him throw the ball. Well, he was meant to throw the ball. <laughs> yeah, not well, And that was more a uh, teased-all thing, you know, Choosing his, choosing to was throw that, the ball. Was that Andy? I thought it happened. Yeah, that was with Andy Yeah. Oh, it might have happened with Spire. Maybe that's like a write a passage for Clemson punters. Yeah. But well, I it, remember Tiesall. In any case, I um, I think they should have sent
1: a message to Will by leaving me out there to punt after his drive stalled.
0: Yeah. Good point. Just <laughs> hey, clean this up. This is on you. Yeah, finish, finish The job. job. <laughs> finish the job, man. I agree. No, I'm he looked. Getting- he was second, second string punter Wraps in too.
1: Yeah. Um, What's that? Aiden Swanson. Um, so no, I thought, I thought he looked good um, in this game. Just never it, you ever expected him to come in as a quarterback. He actually looked like a quarterback and I mean, going back to Hunter Helms. Yeah. We definitely need to give him uh, some props. He, he looks like a quarterback. Like oh, yeah. he,
0: he looks well, like a guy we can develop into like a chase price level at, at Clemson um and then i mean tyson pumachan had surgery on his thumb right so you can rule him out well that's on his stretch. left hand i still think
1: he's day-to-day and you have to see how to how he responds to that but um speaking yeah. i mean i guess if it was you know just kind of sticking on tyson there for a second man he's still got a long way to go as a passer he really does i think hunter helms looked like a better passer yeah certainly time. more accurate um his windup doesn't, it has a hitch in it. Like it's yeah. just, and, and his throws aren't that, that accurate. So I don't know that he's going to get there. Um, um, and if he does, he's just going to have to stick it out. I don't see him starting here. And I still feel that he, he's a guy that's obviously going to transfer um, at yeah. some point with DJ ahead
0: of him, but um, you know, yeah, hopefully, my hope is he can get, he can get some good looks the rest of the season and yeah. showcase his talent. And then find the right program fit if if he does choose to transfer or he could make that second, you know, kind of between second and third year leap and we'll see for Clemson. But, um, well, he's got
1: another year of eligibility, so yeah, it doesn't burn any of that. It's true. like six years to to figure this out. And, you know, listen, he came in as a highly touted quarterback for a reason. So you just hope to continue to see that development. He's going to continue to get his opportunities this year. But, um, yeah, it's that, that passing motion and the accuracy definitely needs to be improved upon.
0: Yeah. I would say maybe the only other name we haven't really touched on too much in the offense is the game that we got out of Davis Allen. Um, you know, a Joe, a Aj- Joe Aj- Aj- got in the end zone. Good to see that. Um he only had the one catch. I think he should have had a different touchdown catch, but just stepped out of bounds. Foot was reception. out of bounds.
1: Yeah, yeah was just his, out of bounds.
0: But his mm-hmm. catch and run on that TD pass was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, very it was Mike Williams asked against South Carolina. That was just yeah. what I had in my head. Um, gonna, yeah, Davis Allen's touchdown. Um uh, what a play kind of peel off um and Trevor to hit him in stride for that touchdown um was something else. I mean didn't uh didn't see um brain galloway show out in this game um he didn't he didn't have any receptions so uh, for davis allen to do that jc chalk also had a catch um uh, great to see just the tight end remain part of this offense
1: yeah well going back to talking about and thinking about how you defend this offense like what do you do when you've got um frank ladson cornell powell amari, amari rogers split out wide and then you got a two tight end set with uh Davis Allen and Braden Galloway and ETN in the backfield,
0: like that's twelve. That's twelve guys. W- w- yeah. if, well, it feels
1: like twelve guys. Sometimes you're out there defending, <laughs>
0: Tully. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. I want to see ETN run the Wildcat. Every alignment you just said, just keep TL on the sideline and yeah, we don't, don't need ETN can throw the ball. But don't yeah. even need those even, guys can block downfield. Yeah, and yeah. get some jet sweep action with you know, Amari Rodgers. Well, I'm like definitely like looking him.
1: forward to some fake punts with Spires moving forward. Should we need it and him throwing the ball after what we saw. So, yeah. um, yeah. And, and can we, and we've overlooked this. Can we give Cornell any more props for, for oh, what yeah. a great game he had, um, the back throw, throw uh, shoulder throw from Lawrence on the first drive for first down, he had another back shoulder thro- throw, which to me means that him and Trevor have some chemistry, um, yeah because we haven't seen those back shoulder throws in the last couple of years necessarily, because we just got all these young wide receivers coming in and um, you know, that's something that Taj Boyd was always really good. Then Sean Watson. Um, and so to see him have this chemistry with Cornell Powell and be able to trust him, that means that they're on the same page. Um, and so what a game for him uh, made some
0: great catches. I don't think he had any drops. Um, so really loved. Yeah, seeing, He was involved on the interception play, but it looks like he got pushed off his route. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I've been, critical of Powell's route running this season, but that was certainly not, you know, on him necessarily. It was well-defended um, route that he was running and um, probably, a, you know, a throw Trevor wish he had back. Um, but yeah, that, that one could have gone for six if Powell was able to continue his route. Yeah. So
1: I don't know, just, just props to him. You know, we said it yeah. before him sticking around the team and fighting for it. And, you know, he's earned this moment. Um, yeah. And he's, those are, he's, t- those are tough catches that he yeah. he came down with. So, um, Well, and he's yeah. getting more playing time. I mean, I know he's been around for five years, but he's getting more playing time now. And that live game reps, you can't um, – there, there's no replacement for that. Um, and so he's getting them this year, and he's going to continue to get better. So, man, this offense is scary. And, I mean, <laughs> yep. whew. And then the running backs, um, you know, we don't need to talk about lin but – Chesma Lucy continues to look really great. Kobe Price looked good, in, or Kobe Pace looked good in this game. Um, and Mikey Dukes had some good runs. While, he, you know, when he was intentionally going forward. <laughs> he had a couple where he was stringing it out and didn't seem to know which direction he was supposed to go. But, um, yeah, it's great look by the backups in this game. Um, I mentioned the offensive line. Walker Parks and Mason Trotter um, were subbed in early. Um, early on this game got some reps with the first team so good to see that they're starting to trust those guys because again we need to need a couple of those guys to come along to build depth on that offensive line
0: once we get the crunch time in the playoffs Um, yeah there were a couple of plays ben i remember um trevor took a pretty tough tough sack and unblocked defender right up the middle i think etn missed missed it yeah yeah and stewart also kind of he went to double team a different defender and kind of let let the guy go right by um, those kind of things like glad that's the exception not the rule for this line but um, that can turn the course of the game especially if you've got you know we had Georgia Tech caliber defenders uh, rushing Trevor Lawrence you know if you if you start to get into the playoff you know much bigger dudes that can take him out of the game or in the right. case of Ohio State or Miami target him so um, anyway yeah it's Keeping uh, keeping Trevor Lawrence upright, number 16, you know, clean. Like, that's mission number one. And blocking for number nine. You know, that clearly there's some room to grow in that department.
1: Yeah. Um, well, again, the great thing about these types of games is the ability to build depth. And we've seen in five short games how much a lot of these guys have come along. Um, so there was a... Uh, Larry Williams had a really interesting, uh, good story on, on Tiger Illustrated um, and brought up an interesting point that I didn't realize before. Um, he was talking about the depth heading into the Georgia Tech game, I believe, um, and kind of the history of that and Dabo's philosophy. When he brought uh, Brent Venables on in 2012, uh, Dabo really preached to him um, substituting early. Listen, you're not leaving your first guys out there you know, we're, we're playing the long game here. We're building depth across this. And I'm not sure if Venables was so on board with that his first year in the defense struggle. But by the time 2013 came around, you started to see them turn the corner and they've just been ascending and great ever since. So um, that philosophy yeah. that we've seen from Dabo and on this team, I mean, year in and year out, it's paying dividends and it's really playing the long game and looking ahead. And it also helps you get recruits like a guy like DJ, knowing that he's going to get playing time, even though he's behind, um, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, these offensive linemen and running backs, and you're right one step away and from being
0: there. a guy. Exactly, on a championship caliber team. Um, so it's a good, it's a good, philosophy. Exactly, like and, if, took, and yeah. if 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 Trevor Lawrence were to go down a
1: national championship game, you're feeling much better. DJ having reps in every single game this year and significant reps, like not just a series here and there, um, than yeah. you would if he was you know cold and played like
0: four games uh, against the teams that you know, the few teams you beat by fifty. Yeah, I think what's a bummer about DJ having a sore shoulder in this game, I think we're still looking for him to be able to play with the first team receivers, first team O line. Call plays. Let's see that hand cannon on display. Let's see it go. Um, let's hope for Syracuse next week. I mean, that's going to be a little bit of a, well, it's going to be a, a bloodbath. Um, this will probably be another game where we empty the bench. And. Would be great if DJ is able to go in that game, so you can see what you've got out of him as a passing quarterback. Yeah, I have to imagine he'll be back next week. I think again, it was just pretty
1: precautionary this week; just no need to run him out there and risk injury if you know yeah.
0: you're up know, by sixty-six. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, Ben, let's flip it over to the D. The seven points allowed again you know, incredible effort by the defense against a very capable Georgia tech offense. Um, I would, I would say likely some of the early, early woes, um, on the Georgia tech side were likely scheme based, likely driven by trying to run tempo and, um, Jeff Sims not necessarily being up to the task or really his, you know, his O-line not being up to the, up to the task of, um, defending that aggressive Clemson front, Um, you know, Clemson did have the three turnovers on the day that really went that that really went to guys up and down the depth chart. Um, And a lot of superlatives coming out of this one. I mean, there's tons of bright spots. I know we want to get to some of the younger guys who showed out later on in the game um, because that pretends well for the future. It's kind of the theme of this show. Uh, But, you know, a lot of great contributions also from the starters and um, you know, they weren't really tested downfield too much from last week we spent, most of the time, gushing about the cornerback play, Tech only threw the ball fourteen times in this game, um, and they were not very effective. Um, so, you know, really, this was a this was a total defensive effort, and great to see coming off that Miami game, where you never know, like, you know, maybe the defense plays a little complacent, and Georgia Tech gets a couple quick scores, and then it's a ball game all of a sudden. That didn't happen this week.
1: Yeah, and I think we probably kind of knew going into the game that Georgia Tech wasn't going to be a team that leaned on the pass too heavily, you know. Mm-hmm we're conditioned to think that uh, when you play a freshman quarterback, he must be a world beater and must be able to th- be a phenomenal passer. Um, that's just us. We're spoiled at Clemson. Right. So um, yeah. he's not, he's not there yet, um, but he's, you know, supposed to be a really talented quarterback and getting him in there as a freshman and getting him as, that experience, it's only going to get better. But um, so uh, not surprising they didn't throw as much. Um, what is encouraging seeing this, I mean, some of the good, Um, aspects of this game, they came in averaging like 24, 25 first downs a game this year. Well, they were held to seven in this game. They were zero and three on fourth down at two of 14 on, on third down. So really great to see the defense stepping up in kind of short yardage situations and also um, on third downs and really limiting uh, what they were able to do and getting them off the field. Again, there were mistakes in this game. You had the TD on Goodrich, Um, you had missed tackles, the last drive of the first half and the first drive, of the second um, half for Georgia tech, um, the last play of the game, uh, where they, they broke off that, uh, 41 yard run. Um, so certainly still some things to clean up there. Uh, I think the Virginia game, there was some bad open field tackling, so definitely some stuff to clean up, but overall we continue to see this defense get better. Love what you're seeing out of the cornerbacks. Uh, the D-line, obviously, they continue to get sacks and tackles for losses. Um, but I will say my ultimate kudos and props in this game uh, go to the officiating crew for overturning the targeting on Spectre. I was actually really impressed when that happened because in in real time, I'm not surprised at all. they threw the flag because as soon as I saw the hit, I'm like, ah, oh, he's gone. Um, then you see it on the replay you're like, ah, that's kind of weak. Like his head was up, but you still were like, they're going to throw him out of the game. They always like, yeah. if, if that's a call in the field, they're going to stick with it. They're throwing him out. And they didn't. And there's been a lot of controversy over the last few years with these targeting calls and ejecting kids and for them to actually, you know, view the play, look at it and come away from that. Um, And actually applying the actual letter of the law here and not throwing him out of the game, I was surprised and I'm also complimentary for that crew for, for doing that.
0: Yep. I mean, I don't think he, I don't think he quote unquote launched, uh, did not strike the upper neck head area of the defender and kept his head up, kept his head up for the most part. So yeah, like they called it accurately. They called it right. And, Um, It does seem there's maybe a little bit more of a sane approach to the reviews this year. They also overturned the one against Landon Zanders um, in the, what was that? The second half of the Virginia game. Uh, We were worried that that would maybe keep him out of the first half of the Miami game, which who knows what would have played out with that. So, um, you know, they haven't changed the rule yet. They haven't gone to like a type one, type two, kind of like the NBA with flagrant fouls, that type of setup. So, it could be that they're they're really hammering home, like, it's got to be launched, it's got to be head down, it's got to be striking the head or neck of an opponent, um, or a defenseless receiver, that kind of thing, so... Um, and yeah, the f- and know. the fact that they can review it, I have no problem with them throwing the flag on
1: a bang-bang player like that, because, again, I thought it was yeah. certainly targeting when I saw it live. Um, yeah uh but and i'm not sure do they have to
0: call it on the field a uh, targeting for it to be reviewed i think th- i think i've seen stuff turned into targeting when okay. it's like a different type of yeah i think targeting okay. is something you can like revisit um gotcha. but yeah i understand what you're saying you're basically like go ahead and call it review it better to get the call right yeah than not um, and
1: i get it it's a player safety issue you're gonna err on the yeah. side of caution but Let's be reasonable and let's, yeah, get rid of this stupid you're out for two halves. Like or kicked out of the game immediately. Should be a flagrant one, flagrant two. Um yeah, these kids, you know, I'm talking about I've griped about this for opponents when they've got kicked out of the game. I think it's just um, you know, it's a travesty to to kick these kids out. This is a game of football. Like you're hitting hard. Like when it's not like intentional or malicious, like give the kids a break. Um, if it's Miami, yeah, throw them out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Well, uh, defensive, you know, from a stats perspective, um, just the one interception for Clemson, um, I believe it was a couple of fumble recoveries. Um, Nolan Turner uh, had, the, had the interception. And then um, who, am I, who am I misremembering here? Was there a second INT? No, it was um, just the two fumble recoveries. Okay, that's right. Yep. Um, and so... then four, four sacks on four sacks the day, but 12 tackles for last ben. Um So that's 16, you know, 16 disruptive plays plus three turnovers. 19 out of the uh, – it was something like 58 plays that Georgia Tech ran. Like either a havoc play or a turnover um, happened on a good percentage – Of the plays in this game, uh, really says a lot about how much of a dominant defensive performance this was. Yeah, so
1: dominant. There's not really much to talk about about the starters in this game. Um, No, it was really the the um, you know aside from Turner, he also got one of the fumble
0: recoveries. He continues to play really well this year. Um, Opportunistic guy, yeah, for sure. And Um, that's what uh, Booth had uh, a good. Yeah, Booth had a good game. Booth tackling too.
1: He he continues to amaze me with his athletic ability and him in, in, in run support. Like he's a phenomenal defender of the run. He gets the guy so quickly and he hits hard. Um, that kid continues to impress me. And man, yeah. you know, we may have been a little after the first game, like, Oh no, don't worry about these cornerbacks. Like I'm not worried about cornerbacks right now. Um, like nobody should be, um, still a little bit of a, we still need to bring Landon Sanders along a bit. Um, and then obviously Goodrich got beat on that deep ball. But, you know, I I think the secondary is, is at least from the corner's perspective, a solid and Turner out there. Um, And so just a little bit more depth at the safety position. Again, these guys are getting reps. Joseph, Joseph Charleston's been out there. Um, So, yeah, but yeah, I I think the, the story of this game is is certainly the backups Um, and obviously starting with Trenton Simpson, uh, the linebacker, like that kid is phenomenal. What a beast he is. Like his speed, his athleticism, um, his the way he hits. And he's almost in on every single play when he's in the game. You notice that number uh, 22. So we've got a good one for the long haul. You do not often see linebackers come in as true freshmen in this Brent Vittables defense um, and be able to kind of click right away. Obviously, he's not getting – Uh, meaningful minutes in in big games but you can see his natural athletic ability and this is from a kid who did not play a lot of linebacker in high school he was more of an edge rusher and he's still talking about that could possibly be his role if if he grows into it in his body on this team so I don't know where he's going to end up Um, you know we still got Mike Jones for a couple more years um, so he's not going to be supplanted at that uh, nickel sand position where Trent Simpson was coming in and spelling him in this game. So it'd be interesting to see how they utilize him moving forward into next year.
0: Um, does he become Let's more? See, of a, yeah. More I was going to say, unless you make Mike he Jones more of a safety, like a big yeah. safety. Um, yeah. So I mean, well, it, just, it gives you options, right? It gives you good depth. It gives you kind of more, more chess pieces to
1: move around. It's a really great problem to have. Yeah. And why I think Venables is going nowhere
0: <laughs> i know like why would you leave this like he's not going to be able to be hired at a place where he could come in and have this level of talent or even expect to recruit at this level of talent like i just he's not going to leave for another dc role and then who's gonna you know he's not going to be able to step into like a top five top six program job and i'm gonna tell you like you think this defense is good this year wait
1: till next year that could be the best Clemson defense we've seen. And that's saying a lot thinking about who we're going to have on the defensive line at linebacker, cornerback and safeties like all across the board. Watch out. That's going to be an incredible defense. And there's, we're seeing that in the guys that are playing this year, Trey Williams, another guy um, was all over the place in this game. Uh, Demonte Capehart in previous games, didn't travel with the team for this one, Um, uh, but he's been a factor. So, um, and we're doing all this without Xavier Thomas being at peak performance. So great to see him. Uh, and in he'll probably game. be back next year. Um, but oh, yeah, I would have to think so. There's no way. No, I mean, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's coming back next year. So, uh, but good to see him get more playing time in this game. You got three, uh, three snaps at the end of the Miami game, played a lot more in this game. Um, it's gotta be somewhat humbling for him to play with the backups, but it's good to hear your, your, seeing no um, attitude issues whatsoever. You're not hearing anything about there. He's playing hard when he's getting in there, and he's slowly working himself back into football shape. I think you give it two, maybe three more games, and you're going to start to see him back in that rotation uh, with the starters. And we forget how good he is or how good he can be. Like, he's the best defensive end on this team, and is, and is at his peak
0: right now. Eventually, that will be Moz Murphy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, lots of across the defense. Um, guys showing out. Really fun game. Um, Georgia Tech. I mean, Jeff Collins is a defensive coach. I know he's looking to reinvent the identity of their offense. Um, ben, you know, we kind of talked about it before we started reporting. Like, Tech is still trying to remanufacture their talent on this team up front it's going to take time to rebuild their offensive line talent to be able to support uh, Sims and what they want to get done from an offensive scheme standpoint. So I would say we're still way too early to start judging Georgia tech's offensive ceiling uh, for this season. And they've already had some games where they looked really capable against Florida state and Louisville and some others. So again, you know, how good are those defenses, but um, this is no slouch of an offense. And I do kind of going back to like the scheme thing and the game plan I do have to question a little bit trying to run tempo against the Clemson D that you're unlikely to get a lot going early. You know, uh, I, I don't know what their, what their play, what their, what their play could have been though, you know, to improve on that. So, um, in any event, you know, I didn't really see anything in this game that exposed our defense in any way. Really? Um, the touchdown play was a blown coverage from Mario Goodrich. I did not rewatch that to be able to tell you like, was that, was that completely on him? Was there any tr- trickery? No, I was bring that receiver loose. It was on him. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we talk about the depth at the corner position and the rising underclassmen, like this is Mario Goodrich's year to try to establish. I mean, he was named a co-starter early in the season. I think he was out. Um, He missed a game or two. He was like the first two games at least. Yeah. So, you know, he's still getting his footing under him and, you know, we expect a lot out of, out of him in that role, but, um, in any event, you know, if that's one of two or three, you know, uh, example, I don't know, like you can live with that. You can live with those kind of plays in yeah. a game where they only score seven points.
1: Yeah. Well, and again, like, and what's really encouraging to see is when these backups come in, they are all over the place. They're make, they're flashing, they're making themselves notice. They'll continue to get better. If some guys go down, they'll be able to be more ready to move into that starting role once we get later in the season. So, um, the depth of this defense is the least of my concerns right now. I think all around, this is a phenomenal unit and watch out for next year. Um, so yeah, I, what, what'll be good with Georgia tech. We'll have a good barometer. Uh, they play Boston college next week. And then we get Boston college the week after that. Um, and then in two weeks, the week before our Notre Dame game, Georgia tech plays Notre Dame. And again, they've been moving the ball this year. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they fare against these two teams. Um, that we ultimately have back-to-back just one week off from from Tech's schedule.
0: Ben, let's wrap up real quick with special teams. Uh, we talked already about Spires uh, getting reps at the quarterback position, but I thought he had actually a really good day punting. You know, punting really wasn't a big part of this game for Clemson. Um, seemed to be scoring on pretty much every drive, but uh, Clemson did punt the ball four times. Spires had three of those. He averaged nearly 51 yards. One of those is a 55-yarder, Ben. So Spires continues to impress in kind of his fourth year punting for this team. And um, BC Potter, 8 for 8 on extra points. Aiden Swanson even got in on the axe for two two of his own. Um, and Potter also hit a 30-yarder. So in the kicking and punting game, no complaints. No. Um,
1: Spires is so dialed in at punting right now. He obviously has plenty of time to, to practice at quarterback. So, um, that guy has gone from a liability into a huge asset and enough can't be said about him and his progression. We talked about an episode in an episode out this year. Um, good to see the field goals and the extra points go through after the debacle, um, at, at Miami, um, they made some changes to the personnel on the right side of the line that was where guys were getting through. So good to see that cleaned up. Um, I think my big takeaway, and it has been for the, the past several years, uh, for special teams, um, when we play Georgia tech is the beautiful sight it is to see Presley Harbin the punting for Georgia tech. I love to call him fat punter. Um, <laughs> he's not fat. Um, he is just much larger than a punter you would normally see at six oh two fifty five. Um, Love
0: watching that guy. Nice. It's kind of like, like Janikowski-esque, right? Right, right. He's a South Carolina native. He That's is. I've kind of never heard
1: of. And he averaged 48.3 yards a punt in this game. Um, you know, you do that, you've got a potential NFL future. Um, who, was the Penn, who was the really big Penn State kicker several years back that would just go down the field and take people out on kickoffs? Um, uh, there's a. There's a – there's a place for guys like that.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, uh, nothing yeah. to speak of in the return game too much. I mean, I think people are um, looking to Lynn J Dixon to perhaps generate a little bit more yardage in the kick return game, but we're we're picking nits at this point. Yep. So resounding effort, Ben. Resounding seventy-three to seven win. Ben, let's pivot to talking about the college football scoreboard for the weekend. So Clemson retained its number one ranking and we get big 10 football coming back this weekend, but I want to spend some time first looking back and digesting the weekend that was Um, Alabama played host to Georgia, number two versus number three Uh, Georgia led at halftime. But I think we all knew that was somewhat of a, you know, a a shaky, that was on shaky ground. And I don't know if you watched this game, Ben, I watched most of it. Um, Alabama's offense just looks pretty relentless and they, they themselves have quite a, quite a big stable of weapons. You're going to remember all these names from either our national championship game against them or you know, watching the Iron Bowl over the years or even the Georgia-Alabama national title game from 2017. A lot of these guys are still there and still contributing. Um, and they look like a very potent offense. I think it's their defense that impressed me. Um, Georgia certainly is not a world beater on offense, but after that Ole Miss performance a week prior, like, you knew Saban was going to clean things up. Yes, he was out with COVID, but or, you know, a COVID scare, so to speak, but, uh, at any event, you know, pretty complete game from Alabama. They, they put the stranglehold on in the second half and locked this one down. Um, I think we've said all along in the preseason, they're likely just from a talent and continuity and coaching standpoint, going to be there at the very end. And I think we've rightly questioned Georgia, um, under Kirby smart. I saw this tweet, uh, over the weekend. I liked, I liked it, uh, through, the first, I guess it's 60 games of his tenure relative to Mark Richt. Uh, Kirby is 47 and 13, and Mark Richt was 49 and 11. So Georgia ran Richt off, and you pretty much hired Mark Richt 2.0.
1: Um, yeah, I think we're starting to see Georgia just kind of plateau. If they're not able to bring in the playmakers um, at quarterback, and they did at one point, that guy's name was Justin Fields. Um, but they let, uh, him get away keeping Jake Fromm in there. So, um, I don't know. I I keep seeing Georgia just kind of hit this ceiling where they're not going to be able to punch through and it looks to be happening again this year. Um, who was the quarterback they got from USC, um, JT Daniels. Yeah. And why hasn't he been playing? I know he had an eligibility issue the first game or something. And Maybe I not, mean, but I know he also had an injury. I think like a, a they, knee injury. Okay, so they've stuck with Stetson Bennett, who it's not great. Um yeah, they had a they were they were leading at halftime, but Alabama kicked it into into gear in the second half. Kind of. I mean, they only scored 21 points. Um so what what baffles me is how Georgia only drops to four, one spot to four. We can get into the poll here in a second because I've got a lot of um well, yes. it just seems like that they replaced the AP poll voters with a bunch of idiots this year. Um, or maybe that's the norm, um, and I'm just well, not noticing. Um, it, it's hard because, like, some no, it's, voters it's, it's, it, it's are not, mired in,
0: like, if you, I, yeah. you, can, you can get online and research, like, how every single voter voted their entire poll, and then it right. ultimately is an average of that this year you see a lot of variants from people that philosophically are going to underrank teams that haven't played a game yet. And other people are like, no, Ohio state is the number three team in the country. Like forget Georgia. Like you're kind of seeing like the law of averages play out here together, but I mean, Georgia did lose a really good Bama team and they were leading at half. They didn't score in the second half, but like, I don't know about dropping them too much. I mean, only going to four, I agree they should have dropped more than that, but um, I think it's, It's just going to be a weird year in the polls until you get the Pac-12 back and until we see, you know, a couple weeks of that league going. And by then we're going to be already into the college football playoff rankings. And the AP poll ultimately starts to mirror that thing. So um, just going to be an odd year.
1: Yeah. And uh, Notre Dame at three. Well, we can get into it. I do understand that if you take some of these games, teams haven't played yet, who is Georgia Worse than not Oklahoma State, who would be next, almost lost to Tulsa. Texas A&M has a loss, albeit to Alabama. You could argue that A&M should have jumped up ahead of Georgia, possibly. Um, Cincinnati is lucky to be in the top 10 at 3-0. and um, And then everybody after that starts having losses, uh, BYU at 5-0. and But um, anyways, we can get that to, back to that in a second. But going back to the Georgia-Alabama game um, – not necessarily sold still on, on Matt Jones, even though this completion percentage has been pretty phenomenal this year still seems more like a game manager type um, to me. And I wasn't super impressed by, by Alabama's offense. It seems still very, that old pro style Nick Saban type of offense that is just not that creative and not that dynamic. And um, I mean, look no further than Najee Harris is a, phenomenal running back i think he should certainly get a heisman consideration this year they don't seem to be using that much out of the backfield um uh get your balls in the the playmakers hands i mean they got good wide receivers but it just seems to be a more straightforward offense that i think um, you have to do a lot more uh, than that to beat a, a defense the caliber of clemson or maybe ohio state we'll see what they have this year um but all that being said still a good win for alabama you give them props i have obviously they should definitely be number two in the country. Um, I think they're obviously a front runner to make it to the college football playoff this year. And I think, should we play them in the playoff, it's going to be a tough game. Like it always is, except for that one year where we kicked their ass. Um, <laughs> uh, but as far as this game is concerned, um, yeah, hard to know what to take out of it. Uh, maybe some distractions with Nick Saban and his um, um, Potemkin COVID Um uh, and dealing with that throughout the week. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, Alabama ultimately won the game like they should have. Um, again, maybe you're right. Georgia should be sitting there ranked at number four based on what else, everything else is going on. I think as the season continues to progress um, that you're going to see them lose more games just because I don't think they've got uh, the weapons there on offense uh, to get specifically the quarterback position to get the job done. And now I'm a little suspect of their defense that we – thought going into the game was supposed to be pretty great. Gave up 41 to Alabama. That could be um, a result of their uh, defense just kind of getting worn out in the second half with Alabama's offense or, or their offense, not being able to produce an Alabama's offense, being on the field more, perhaps that was an issue. Um, but we'll see moving forward. Um, I expect they'll still end up in the top 10 ultimately this year, possibly the top five. they um, They're still a good football team. They just need to develop more on offense.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Notre Dame uh still at the number four, or I'm sorry, they moved up to three despite a 12 to 7 win over Louisville. Um Louisville generally has a pretty good offense. They were held to just the seven points. Um I think Willie Cunningham has definitely taken a step back as their quarterback, but this game for me is really all about how how bad Notre Dame's offense is. And uh really Ian Buck not improving, not showing out as a senior um, and not really inspiring their fans with a lot of confidence. I wonder Ben, like they're not going to make a change before Clemson at quarterback, but what do they have in that, in that locker room, like from a depth perspective, at quarterback, like is there any harm in trying to run out different QB at this stage?
1: Well, it's hard. It's hard to test your quarterbacks, your backup depth at quarterback when you're only beating teams 12 to
0: seven. Um yeah you got to win this game like they can't afford the loss especially in a conference game now uh, i agree with you and yeah i guess what you're saying is like in some of the games earlier in the year when they were up by like 20 to 30 points so that's when you should be cycling in the depth
1: yeah and it what it's just so weird like you look at the stats of this game it's like you know ian book was 11 and 19 that's not terrible he didn't throw any interceptions it was only 5.6 yards a, a pass um they were eight for 15 on, on third downs, which is more than 50%, um, which is what you're going for. So I think it all just comes down to Brian Kelly, man, and him just being a bad coach. He doesn't develop quarterbacks. They tend to regress under him. And what is what is Notre Dame's offensive identity?
0: Um, Rush the ball a little bit here and there, but... I mean, they've, they've got a sound running game and they're running backs so they need to feed him the ball more. My thing is, like, if you know Book can't hit his receivers on the outside, like go single coverage and then rush the safeties or do corner blitzes, that kind of thing. Like, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how BB schemes this Notre Dame offense. Yeah. And that was um, Notre Dame at home too. Like Louisville has yeah. given up, you know,
1: you know, 35 points to Western Kentucky, 47 to Miami, 23 to Pitt and 46 to Georgia tech. How is Notre Dame at home only scoring 12 there yeah. th- were one in three football team coming into that. Like, like we, we thought that Notre Dame game was going to be a game, but like I've, you know, uh, I mean, Georgia Tech yeah, beat, Georgia Tech beat Louisville 46 to 27 and we just beat them 73 to seven. Like I know the yeah. transit of property and all that crap doesn't work out, but intuitively, logically, if I was a Notre Dame fan, I would uh, sell my tickets to, to Clemson fans so we could see the game.
0: Yeah, if fans are even allowed in the stadium, and I mean, maybe they hope for a COVID outbreak that week so they can avoid the beatdown. But let's hope not. Um, but in any event, I, Notre Dame is not as bad as that and final score showed. But it does give you faith as a Clemson fan that yeah, this is not a team that's really going to going to challenge or force an upset.
1: Yeah, I just I don't even know what to make of the twelve to seven score. To be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I saw Notre Dame uh, fans, I wasn't quite paying attention as I was watching the Braves game um, at the bar, but I saw them leaving right after their game was over, and they just had this look on their face. I was like,
0: oh, crap, did Notre Dame lose? No, they didn't, but almost, I mean, could <laughs> have. One twelve to seven. Almost might as well have, yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of teams that did lose from the ACC in the top five, UNC went to Tallahassee. Uh, Mac Brown. I don't think he ever beat Florida State when he was there in the '90s. That's a different era, of course. Uh, but FSU. I mean, I think this has been like, let's let's make two observations off the top. UNC is a better football team and program at this point than Florida State is, and Florida State took took advantage of all kinds of mistakes from UNC. Like, if they play this game over again, I think UNC does win. That said, UNC is not the number five team in the country. They're not even top ten caliber. Like they're benefiting at this point from an early easy slate. You know, a lack of Big Ten and Pac twelve teams, and they're not a complete football team. Like you look at some of their box scores and some of the highlights from past games. They don't have a defense to speak of. You're letting Florida State this year jack up 31 points on you. Now some of those were defensive points, but um, and some of those were scored on short fields, but still. Um, not a good showing for the heels.
1: No. And I mentioned as much last week, there was no way in hell. And I understand the pollsters are voting whichever way they vote because some teams aren't playing some teams aren't, but to have North Carolina in front of Ohio state at any point. No, I'm sorry. It's just not accurate. Yeah, totally. Um, and you know, it showed in this game, Sam, how only had one interception. He continues to get better. He's a really good quarterback. Um, they moved the ball on the it was ground. A bad pick though. I would uh, say. Was it a pick six? I didn't see that. There was a pick six, yeah. Okay. Yep. It was a backbreaker. Um and but otherwise that's like yeah. the, the only turnover. Like he's developing. Mm-hmm. So they just had that bad first half. They held Florida State scoreless
0: in the second half. Uh just weren't There able were a to- couple of black punts then, uh, in addition. So yeah, those aren't those don't show up as like interceptions or whatever right. but i think there were a couple early black punts that led to short fields and so um, what that
1: that that shows me more than anything is they've got some talent on this team mac brown continues to he's going to continue to bring in guys and recruit well but they've still got the remnants um from you know whomever came before him who was before him uh it was the dude who is now at Texas. fedora yeah fedora okay yeah. um so they're you know they it's going to take until at least next year usually you give a a coach the third year in his program to really get his guys into the system, and you're going to continue to see uh, North Carolina get better. Um, they had one of those games that Clemson would have, like back in 2010 or 2011, maybe right 2012, 2013, um, where you're starting to show signs of improvement, and then you just have a loss that um, you, you shouldn't have had. Um, are they going to get to Clemson's level? I'm not saying that. I think it's going to be hard yeah. for anybody to do, to do. But I think they are going continue to improve. Uh,
0: this just wasn't their game. And yeah. it's not a good-looking loss. They're, you know, the, the question was, do they have enough talent? I think you're right. Like, this is year two of the Mac Brown experience. Like, by year three, they're going to have more talent. Um, now, they probably still are, like, a top three ACC team at this point. Um, right. I don't know who you would, you would vault ahead of them. Uh, Virginia Tech had an impressive win against BC, but uh, UNC just smoked VT. So, well, yeah, I think well, Miami still has them. We got to remember where
1: Notre Dame is an ACC team this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I, I, think Miami. I think that's the pecking order still. Like Clemson, Notre Dame, Miami, and then you're talking about like how much drop off do you have then from Miami to UNC? Um, we're going to see some of these teams still play each other though, which is nice. I think it might be Clemson, Miami, Notre Dame.
1: Unfortunately, Notre Dame and Miami don't play, so we're not going to be able to tell. But after no. what I saw from uh, from Notre Dame this weekend, I still tend to think that Miami is ahead of that. But, hey, speaking of the polls, um, you know, six ACC teams in, four mm. SEC teams in at this point. Very top-heavy over there in the SEC,
0: um, um, relatively speaking. Well, look, obviously, the look. ACC is top-heavy. <laughs> Well, let's talk about two teams that I believe fell out of the ratings this week. Tennessee losing to Kentucky in just an ugly game for Tennessee. Um, they only they lost to Georgia last week. That's no shock. But you're still the eighth, number 18 team in the country. You're at home. Kentucky comes in, holds you to seven points, and you allow 34. And Kentucky graduated a lot of their you know star talent on the offensive side. So yeah, that that was pretty rough. And then Auburn. Uh, for the first time ever lost the Gamecocks. That was actually an exciting finish, Ben. That's the first time ever they lost to South Carolina. I think so. I mean it's only like the something like the sixth time they've played or something since oh. South Carolina joined the AC or the SEC. But um, anyway, surprising there, surprising result. Um, and hey if you're a Clemson fan, we don't like to rejoice in their wins, but could that have sealed a, an extension for one will must champ then? Well, let's see how the rest of the season
1: goes. They've uh, still got a lot of losses left from their schedule. Well, maybe not since LSU sucks. Um, still probably lose that game. Um, no, but I will say this about that South Carolina Auburn game. Listen, South Carolina is better this year. They've got a legitimate lead. Average quarterback, <laughs> but it better. That's much better than what, what they're used to having. Um, Uh, in the transfer that they've they've got uh what's the kid's name um i forget forget. anyways but also (laughs) on the opposite side of the ball um auburn like i don't know how much longer uh colin hill um i don't know how much longer auburn plans to keep gus malls on around i don't know why he's still there
0: um big ass contract Big buyout. Well, it's it's time
1: that. for some of those Auburn fans to pony up some money and get rid of him because he's not I doing mean, he, them any favors.
0: They won the Iron Bowl last year.
1: Good for them, but that doesn't—that's yeah. not the ultimate goal. They lost the South Carolina game this year. That's right, and they continue to underperform. He's supposed to be like an offensive genius, right? Their the offense never yeah. does anything.
0: Well, yeah, they they have not developed a quarterback really in his time, and. You know, they had Jarrett Stidham. He was a transfer. Um, he didn't actually work out either coming over to Auburn for like two, his last two years of eligibility. And Bo Nicks, you know, he's the son of an Auburn legend. He hasn't really panned out either. So it's it's a, it's a struggle at Auburn. And you hate to see it.
1: Yeah. And then Tennessee, Kentucky. I mean, I know Tennessee was ranked high, highly. But, I mean, are you surprised Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. Blew, blew I'm not shocked in? at all. Like, like no, no. no, the, no for no. sure. It's just ugly seven for the SEC. It was definitely definitely uh, especially thirty-four to seven. Like that's a it's a beatdown. Um yeah. But LC Florida. I will say fall. this for Kentucky. Listen, they you know, lost to Auburn by uh, uh sixteen points to open the season, uh lost by one uh against Ole Miss. Um so they played some close games. They beat Mississippi
0: State twenty four to two. Yeah. They have a good D. I mean, it seems, Ben, like some of the doormats of the SEC are starting to wake up and become a little more competitive. Uh, Arkansas this year is looking pretty solid, and Kentucky. So, I don't know. It's interesting to look over and kind of see what's happening in the SEC. LSU Florida didn't play. Um, One team that we were talking about before the show, like uh, Texas A&M. So, they lost pretty badly, resounding defeat to Alabama not really impressive wins against Vanderbilt or even Mississippi state this weekend. Um, but they, they could be a team, you know, when you talk about getting two SEC schools in, if they do take care of business, they're going to have their chances. They, they avoid Georgia, but they pretty much play everybody else um, in the SEC at this point. And, you know, it's worth a shit. And I don't know. I could see Texas AM and potentially, you know, if, if they can run the table, I don't think they will, but if they can, you know, you talk about like, could the SEC get two teams in, I don't know. They could be a dark horse at this point for that second spot.
1: I think that, uh, that possibility is waning and I'm going to stick with my pick of a group of five team finally getting in this year, especially with the PAC 12, I think just not really going to be have much of an opportunity given their, um, uh, their late start, their reduced slate of games and the possibility for COVID to cancel a few of those and their best team to maybe only have six games. Um, and whereas if a team like Houston or BYU has plays 10, 11 games, goes undefeated, um, SMU is up there undefeated right now. So I, I think this could be the year for that. And I, really thinking about the SEC, I mentioned the, the ACC and Clemson, just not so much um, – is not necessarily top heavy. There's literally literally just Clemson and everybody else. Like to be top heavy, you generally have like three or four really good teams and then everybody else sucks. I do wonder if the sec is starting, um, to see more parity throughout the, um, the lower ranks and really at the end of the season, it'll be interesting to see if there's really just Alabama, there undefeated and every other team has like two or more losses.
0: And that would look a lot more like the ACC. Yeah, it's true. Um, then what does that do? Like who gets in? Um, I'd love to see a group of five team, like step up and, and take the reins and, um, who better than the Chanticleers then they're ranked this week. Like congratulations to coastal. Let's awesome. go coastal. Yeah. Let's hope they can keep it moving in the sunbelt. Um, they're going to face some tough opponents coming up in app state and a few others, but that's fun. Um, you mentioned SMU Cincinnati's number eight in the country. They've looked really strong defensively. And uh, BYU has a really fun quarterback. I watched the end of that Houston game on Friday night. Um, really fun to watch that team. You don't think BYU and fun football necessarily, but um, they're a, they're a dynamic offense. And if you're into wagering, generally take take the over in those games. Yeah, I, I, I got to think. I mean, Coastal Carolina,
1: obviously, nice. Their their strength of schedule, I think, it's going to prohibit them, even if they go. Um, yeah undefeated but how great would that be to say two teams from South Carolina made it into the college football playoff and one of them is not the University of South Carolina Be <laughs> pretty nice I mean that's For that yeah uh, I thought it couldn't get worse by Clemson winning national championships to get beat out of the playoffs by Coastal it's not going to happen um, I still have to think it's between BYU or Cincy just given that they do have some ranked teams on their schedule um, yeah and, and you still got to leave open the outside possibility um, or, or the possibility, which is maybe a more viable possibility of the SEC getting in two teams. Now is the big 10 should Ohio state uh, and Penn state go undefeated other than the games they play against each other. And if they split those, um, one of the regular season, and one of the conference championship game, then I can see both of them
0: getting in and the, the big yeah, 10 getting. They'll only, they'll only play once then um, they're in the East together. So, um, it could be Penn state with one loss looks really great and, you know, makes it all the way. Um, well, but are they doing divisions this year? I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they are. Oh, well, um, stupid. Yeah. I did, the team I see having a good chance is Wisconsin because they avoid Penn state and Ohio state. Um, and I think they get Michigan at home and like they'll basically they have a cakewalk all the way to the big 10 championship, but that team never tends to be you know the best team coming out of the East. So Uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, But anyway, the big 10 is back coming up this weekend. Uh, The Ohio state Nebraska game will be one that I'm taking a look at. And other than that, I mean, we mentioned Clemson's got Syracuse. I think we're like 45 point favorites or something crazy like that. Then maybe not that high, maybe more like 37, but um, yeah, I don't, I would say Clemson's probably not going to cover that spread. Just knowing Dabo isn't going to run up the score or even attempt to do that on Dino Babers. Uh, But it's not like they were trying to run up the score against Georgia Tech either. You know, Tech just was not trying to stop Clemson. So um, UNC NC state is a ranked matchup this weekend. You know, NC state Ben has been a team that's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. They've already got the one loss, but um, they're, they're pretty pesky. They had their quarterback go down with an injury. I think it was a leg injury. He also got a concussion in the game or he definitely got popped. So Uh, We'll see about NC State. They're not on our schedule. I would not mind if they somehow snuck into that title game just so we could lay a beat down on them. On Dave Dorn? Yeah, Dave Dorn. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Be good.
1: Ultimately, you would like to see a team that we haven't played this year. NC State would be one of them and North Carolina um,
0: being the other. Although Virginia Tech's not playing bad. No, they're not. So we do face them. That'll be a fun game. There's actually quite a few ranked matchups this weekend, Ben. Um, Cincinnati SMU, you mentioned that one. You know, a clash of undefeateds, um, ranked matchup. The winner of that probably should vault or stay in the top 10. Uh, You've also got Michigan, Minnesota, and then Iowa State, and who are they playing? Oklahoma State this weekend. So that's going to be a test for undefeated, okay, State. Uh, It's a matter of time before they implode, and the Big 12 just goes quietly into the good night. Yeah. So might as well be this weekend. Why not? Um, Yeah. I'm still hung up on
1: like how stupid of it is the big 10 to do divisions then like your two best teams. You have an opportunity to scrap that and get them into your conference championship game for ratings purposes, possibly get two teams in the playoff and you decide to do it. like everybody else um, on top of starting late. So it may not actually be divisions then um i just now it says here that all games during the final week of the season will be seeded cross division matchups with the game between the number one seeds being played as the big 10 football championship game i see yep so So divisions that's just stupid like yeah that uh new commissioner's not off to a great start um Uh, Yeah. But it'll be fun to get the big 10 back and just see, like, I want to see Justin Fields play. I want to see what Ohio state has always enjoy seeing um, other really good football teams play. Um, Yeah. And just to give us an opportunity to get more entertaining football in general. So um, yeah, it'll be great to see get them back in the mix. I think with them being back in the mix, it feels
0: more like real college football is back underway. The PAC 12 doesn't count. So yeah, um, that game is going on overlapping with Clemson, Syracuse, so yep, nine AM games. That should be one to keep on the the quick flip or watch watch on a second TV. And then NC State UNC is also taking place at, at noon.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to pick Iowa State over Oklahoma State for sure. Um,
0: this yeah, can't. they're well coached. They've got a you know tenured quarterback there. Like, why not? I'm taking um, the Golden Gophers over Michigan. Okay, it's a home game, prime time for. Um, Jim Harbaugh it's gonna be fun I don't know I'm glad to have more 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 teams in in the mix you know more I don't know more potential contenders to evaluate it's gonna be fun yeah I mean Nico Collins
1: is out there from Michigan so um, he's no longer with the team Uh, but yeah I just love seeing them lose so it just gives me more more things to watch Um, that's right more more teams to, to pull forward and to pull against um well, we starting to get we a little chill in the air it's feel like fall you got the big 10 back you got most everybody playing college football so starting to feel a little bit more like normal um just hope everybody stays safe um
0: and yeah. we see some great football out there definitely well we will be back a week from now to recap the Syracuse game and take a look ahead to Boston College uh, which will be the following Saturday so thanks everyone for tuning in to this recap i uh, really looking forward to continuing the season and continuing to talk Clemson football. You know, these are the glory days. We're still in them. Life is good to be a Clemson fan. We're glad you're with us on this ride. You know where to find us on social media. Write us a review, tell some friends, and keep the podcast moving. So thank you, everyone. We're going to wrap there. And as always, go Tigers.